So I'll read Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to read ESV. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you <clears throat> is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. We are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in the sufferings, in his, share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Not that, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God, reveal, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join me in imitating, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Let's pray. 
thank you, Lord, for your word today that is before us. Lord, even as we bake, break this bread together, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit may open our minds that we may be able to understand the scriptures. Lord, let this word rebuke us. Let this word train us, correct us, dear Heavenly Father. We pray, King of glory, that we shall not just be hearers of this word, O God, but we will do what it says. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Dear brethren, today we look at this chapter, Philippians chapter 3. And I would just want to give um, a brief background of the book of Philippians, so at least we know what is happening in this letter. We are all aware that the author of this book is the God, is God Almighty himself. And he used Paul to write this letter to the people who are at Philippi. And Paul is writing this letter while he's in prison. I want us to capture that. And in chapter 1, <clears throat> we see Paul clearly talking about his imprisonment, which has led to the advancement of the gospel. So Paul is in prison and is in chain, but the gospel is not in chain. And he is going through hard times, but with a lot of joy. So he writes to the Philippians to encourage them that their love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment. And we can see Paul saying that he longs, when you read chapter 1, he longs to see them, longs to see them, and he longs for them to be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. So that the fruit of righteousness that comes through faith in Christ Jesus may be seen in them. So when you read uh, uh, Philippians 1 from verse 9 to 11, we can get that background. While, why was Paul writing this letter while he was in prison? So he writes the letter to encourage the Philippians that their love may abound more and more. So that's chapter 1. When we come to Chapter 2, Paul begins by talking about the attitude that Christians need to have. The attitude of humility that was in Christ Jesus. That though he was God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he humbled himself and died even the painful death. Death on the cross. So we can see Paul encouraging believers not to have their own, uh, not to have only uh, themselves in mind, but also to mind others. 
Paul stresses on humility by encouraging believers to consider others better than themselves in humility. Of course, imitating the example of Christ. So towards the end of chapter 2, we can see Paul's concern and love for the Philippians. What did he do? He sent Timothy. And he has talked about this brother Timothy who has really served him when he was, while he is in prison. And he's sending them to them. So you can imagine Paul is in prison. He needs help. He is having Timothy and also a brother known as Epaphroditus. But then he is sending them to Philippi so that they can know they can, they can know how these people are doing and we are told also of this brother Epaphroditus who became ill and was almost dying and the Philippians were worried about him so he then decides to send him to them that they may know that he is all right so i wanted to give us that background of what has happened in chapter 1 and also chapter 2, even as we get into chapter 3. So, chapter 3 starts by saying, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. And by the way, if you would want to just capture the headline, the head topic of this, um, someone, I have given it a headline of um, the worth of knowing Christ. The worth of knowing Christ. So, in verse 1, says, finally, my brothers rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. So he's talking about finally. That means that there are things that he was talking about which have already um, just given us the context. But who is this saying, the, brothers, the brethren at Philippi, who is encouraging these brethren to be rejoicing? It's Paul. And where is Paul? In prison. And so we can see that he's encouraging them to be rejoicing. And he's saying that he is writing the same, same things to them. And if you want to know more about this, this word rejoice is repeated several times in this book. Very many times. And I guess from this, that is where we get the songs like Rejoice in the Lord Always. And again I say, Rejoice. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4. What can really make a Christian to rejoice? A Christian like Paul to rejoice though he's in prison. And even encouraging these brethren to rejoice. He's rejoicing that the gospel 
It's not changed. Though it's changed, but the gospel is not changed. And his true source of joy or rejoicing is in the Lord Jesus Christ and not the circumstances that are surrounding him. Verse 2 says, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. So after telling them to rejoice, is then, then cautioning them to look out for the dogs. Now, we have to understand something. Those times, dogs were not um, domesticated uh, pets as we have today. Dogs were actually a pack of animals that would actually swindle uh, people, uh, things from people. They were aggressive um, scavengers and thieves, devouring whatever food they could find. But why would Paul relate dogs to these false teachers? Because what were they teaching people? Judaism. That salvation alone is not enough. Having faith in Christ Jesus alone is not enough. You still need to be circumcised. Something which Paul was really against and what the scriptures is really against. So that's the reason why he's calling them dogs. So beware, beware about these dogs. False teachers like those uh, that Paul would describe were looking for their own interests. They are not truly part of the family of faith, but are seeking to take whatever they can from others. So Paul is encouraging them to beware of them. Now, when you come to verse 3, <clears throat> the Bible says, For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. You can clearly see that these people that were encouraging the Philippians to be circumcised, they did not have the true circumcision. And the Bible says here, Paul is saying that we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. These people clearly, they were putting confidence in the flesh because when they tell them to get circumcised on top of salvation, they are putting confidence in the flesh. But we cannot put confidence in the flesh. The hymn that talks about the arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust on your own. Now, verse 4 is a shift. And I would really want us to dwell on verse 4 all the way to verse 10. What does verse 4 
verse 4 say, Though I myself, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Paul is actually describing his background. He's talking about him earlier, that he had, he had a lot of confidence in the flesh. Why? He's going to give us reasons there. Verse 5. He was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee. Paul had all the reasons to boast in the flesh. Paul was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was a Jew. Before he knew Christ, Paul was a great man, a great lawyer, a Pharisee, a scribe, someone who was very, very proficient in, 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 in uh, God's laws. So he had all the reasons to boast in the flesh. He had all the reasons to boast about the circumcision. We all knew how God promised um, all the promises that God made to Abraham. And how Abraham circumcised his son on the eighth day. Paul came from the tribe of Benjamin. He was a professor of the law. He was a Pharisee. Paul's birth and ancestry were according to the Jewish standards. But something that comes there in verse 6. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. He used to persecute the church. You can remember about the conversion of, of Paul. He was going to persecute Christians at Jerusalem. And he considered himself righteous under the law. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. In the view of the society, Paul was such a great man. The then called Saul is a great man. He was highly respected. Highly respected. The scribes and the Sadducees and the Pharisees were people who were highly, highly esteemed in the 
Jewish culture. They could tie laws on their forehead. So you can see this great man, all his greatness, but whatever gain he had made, he counted as loss for the sake of Christ. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if therefore someone is in Christ, Jesus is made a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. When someone meets the Lord Jesus Christ, his status changes. The things that he used to do, he can do them. He can't do them anymore. He's counting them as loss. Paul's word in this powerful verse include two important phrases. Paul had just mentioned um, seven important characteristics that he had. He adhered to the highest standards of his religion. Even more than his opponents. These people that were trying to, you know, tell Philippians that you have to be circumcised on top of salvation. They could not match Paul in his qualifications of being a Jew, of being a Hebrew of Hebrews. No matter how many degrees he had accomplished in human accomplishments, but then he considered them as a loss for the sake of Christ. What was his priority? The priority of Paul was now pleasing God rather than pleasing his Jewish culture. Rather than having confidence in the flesh, he wanted to please God. Dear brethren, today, do you really consider your former life as loss for the sake of gaining Christ? Or is it still very palatable? Is it still very enjoyable? Do you still long for it? Paul trashed all those that he had. Then knowing Christ must really of, must be really of great worth 
kujua Kristo ni wadhamana sana kujua Kristo kukaa ndani ya Kristo Have you ever considered it that way Knowing Christ is of great worth Even as we begin this year dear brethren you have known Christ you have something that is of worth greatest worth than all that the world can give you if you were to gain all the world's power if you were to gain all the world's prestige position privilege and prosperity it profits nothing and should only be counted as loss for the excellence of knowing Christ and being clothed in his righteousness alone when we have this knowledge dear brethren we will be able to be above prosperity all that the world can give us but the bible says just want to read to us what the bible says about the wisdom of men First Corinthians 3 8:18-20 First Corinthians 3:18-20 The Bible says Let no one deceive himself If any of you thinks he is wise in this age he should become a fool so that he may become wise for the wisdom of this world is foolishness in god's sight as it is written he catches the wise in their craftiness and again the lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile the wisdom of this world dear brethren is foolishness in god's sight how i pray that we long to please god and it's clearly demonstrated in what paul is saying here all the wisdom all the knowledge that he had foolishness in god's sight what this talks about is or the question that we need to ask ourselves where is our priority i know even we go to school to gain knowledge wisdom and understanding I know we work we do something to earn a living but where is the priority where is the priority is it pleasing Christ Mark chapter 8 verse 36 to verse 37 talks about this what does it profit a man to gain the whole world yet 
forfeit his soul. Or what can a man give in exchange of his soul? What does it profit us when we gain the whole world, yet we lose our soul? What does verse 8 say? Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For this sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Oh, Christ is exalted. What a savior that we have. When we are in Christ, every other thing should be counted as rubbish. Whatever things that we used to do, things that we glory, things that men glory in today in our society, big houses, good cars, good clothing, and all that, that sometimes we also as Christians, because we are in the world, we are tempted to really value these things. We're not saying they are bad. But we attempted to value them more than we value Christ. But I want to tell us, dear brethren, knowing Christ is of great worth. So Paul says, indeed, account everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. My Lord, for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things. And you can clearly, Paul suffered the loss. Paul, who was highly respected, now could be flogged. Now could go to jail and be in chains. As we are going to see here later. We are going to see how we can be able to know Christ or the elements of knowing Christ and suffering is one of them sharing in the, in the suffering of Christ can you imagine how Paul suffered so he lost all things so I wonder what value you would put in certain things your home, your family your relationship, your job, your reputation, your achievements, your talents, your education, your safety, your bank balance. When you have sometimes money in your pocket, you feel very good. Think, think, you, you think things are now settled. Things are, are good. Things are okay. Well, Apostle Paul considered these things and everything else that life of living has to offer. Is worth nothing comparing it with the surpassing value, joy, worth of glory of knowing Christ Jesus. And I'd want to read here Hebrews 11 verse 24 to 26. Let's also see another servant of Christ. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 24 to 26. By faith, 
Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the sons of Pharaoh, Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. So we can see here Moses, the same as Paul. He lost everything. Moses refused to be called the, sons, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He, he chose to be mistreated with God's people than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin or the ending pleasures of sin. And he's considering the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Are we in that position where we would say the reproach of Christ, the worth of knowing Christ is far much greater than the treasures of this world. I would rather have Jesus than have all these pleasures of sin that the world offers. I would rather have Jesus. Verse 9. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So Paul is saying he would rather be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of his own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ Jesus. And dear brethren, we have been made righteous by having faith in Christ Jesus. We are righteous. Christ has made us. Christ has given us his righteousness. That when God looks at us, he sees his son, Jesus Christ. We have the righteousness of God. And that is what Paul is saying here. He would be longing to be found in Christ. Not having a righteousness of his own. Earlier, earlier, describing all those, how he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, circumcised on the eighth day, a Pharisee. That was, he was earning his own righteousness. But after knowing Christ, he had the righteousness of Christ that comes from faith in Christ Jesus. So today, dear brethren, our works cannot give us righteousness. When you have believed in Christ Jesus, you are made righteous. So Paul, like every man, had to come to an understanding that he did not have any righteousness of his own through keeping the law, but he was imputed to with the pure and the holy righteousness of Christ by simply believing in the Lord Jesus Christ.
We cannot become righteous by keeping the Ten Commandments. Behold, it can be too burdensome. But we long for this righteousness that we already have. And thank God for this righteousness, which is based on faith in Christ Jesus. Dear brethren, as we wind up with verse 10, the Bible says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. After talking about everything the goal of Paul is here. That I may know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Why would we want to know Christ? This knowing Christ is something that is progressive in Aendelea. In Aendelea. It's a process of sanctification. We are being sanctified. Made like Christ all the time. Paul is talking about that he may know him. That we may desire Christ more in our lives. How do we desire Christ daily? How do we walk in his presence daily? Do you long to know him more and more? Him who took our sins and nailed it on the cross. Him who has given us eternal life. That was Paul's aim, that he may know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And why are we talking about resurrection here? It was the act of resurrection that was the evidence that identified Christ as the Son of God with power. When Christ went to the cross, people were looking and, and were inquiring whether he would actually resurrect. But Christ died. He rose again. And he rose with power. And he will come back. He will come back again. He will come back with power. It was at the cross, dear brethren, where the power of sin was overcome. He took our sin and nailed it on the cross. My sins have been nailed on the cross. And the resurrection broke the power of sin and death that reigns 
in the mortal body of fallen men. The fact that our Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, resurrected, it broke the power of the grave. Hata sisi, siku moja, tutafufuliwa. Tutafufuliwa na Kristo. Na tutaenda kukana e milele, hata na milele. Resurrection is powerful. The resurrection of Christ. The resurrection of Christ gave the disciples the zeal to preach the gospel more. He is not in the grave. Christ rose again. We have the newness of life in Christ. Paul talks about that he may share in, his, in the sufferings of Christ. That is also another way of knowing Christ. You know, sharing in the sufferings of Christ. And many believers miss this point. Many believers today they say that once someone is in Christ, no suffering at all. Come to Christ so that you don't suffer. Suffering for Christ is an element of knowing Christ. We are identifying with our Savior. Our Savior passed through a lot. He suffered. And so, we Christians must also be clothed with that. We will suffer. Because this world is not our home. We are just bad sojourners here. Jesus told the disciples that I leave you in this world. And in this world you will see. You will pass through many temptations. Many tribulations. But be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Dear brethren, it's part, it's part of this walk. So Paul also endured hardship. Now, Paul also talks about becoming like Christ in his death. This simply means that being dead to sin, as believers, we need to be dead to sin and alive in good works. Be dead to sin. Becoming like him in his death. Not really the method of death, being crucified and all that. No. But we need to die to sin. May the Lord help us, dear brethren, to know that we have a great, our salvation is of worth. Knowing Christ is of worth. Even as we go through the issues of life, the temptations of life, knowing Christ is of greater worth than anything 
We would rather have Jesus. I would rather have Jesus. More than all the wealth this world can give you. You'd rather have Jesus than compromising and doing things which do not glorify the name of the Lord. You'd rather please Christ. May the Lord bless his word.